eres luz que ilumina las noches en mi largo Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with legendary jazz Grammy-nominated percussionist Sammy Figueroa. He glowingly opened up about his new 2023 CD, Searching for a Memory, serving as a remarkable journey featuring Grammy-winning Cuban pianist Gonzala Rubalacaba and the dynamic Latin Grammy-winning Cuban vocalist Amy Nuviola. This is his first album in nearly a decade, and it's dedicated to the memory and music of his father, the late romantic singer Charlie Figueroa. Sammy has long been regarded as one of the world's greatest musicians, and along with being with great pop stars like David Bowie, Shaka Khan, and Mariah Carey, he's also teamed up with legends like Miles Davis, Sonny Rollins, Quincy Jones, George Benson, and so many others. Dig this interview. Yes, sir, I can. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I love the album. Oh, thank you, Joey. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Before we get into the album, I'm curious, how did you survive COVID? It really did a deal with the jazz community. How did you get through it? And how, how does it feel to have an album out now? Well, you know, I haven't done an album in a long time because I've been busy doing other things, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and being guest here and playing with this guy and playing with the other, that I kind of took a sabbatical and, and doing... You know, being a leader is like being a super of a building, you know, you, <laughs> you got to take care of so many people and, and, uh, you know how that is. It's not easy. It's, it's, uh, being a leader, but, uh, uh, the whole thing started because my producer kept on saying, Hey, you got to dedicate an album to your father because he was a great singer and you have his DNA and you, you have to pay tribute to a person like that who gave you his DNA and you're a musician because of him, you know, but because of his death at 33 years old, I was only nine. Uh, and I never got to meet him. I I felt like I, I abandoned, you know, because I never got to meet the guy or, or a visit or anything. So, and plus my mother and my grandparents never really spoke about him. Uh, They only told me that, Hey, your father was a singer, but they never elaborated a lot. So I sort of grew up listening to music and, you know, of every, every kind you could ever imagine where I grew up in Puerto Rico and sort of, I zoomed in into music because it was part of uh, who I, who I was, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and it, it wasn't until later, till just recently that I really got to know my father better because I started listening to him. And I said, wow, this guy can really sing. He is a great singer. And, I, and, and you know, I've met some very unusual people down the pipeline just recently. Like there's a guy that's just about 90 years old who's in the Bronx, who has a huge record store, right? And they even named the street under his name, Mike Amadeo Way, because he's actually history. He's the guy that's been there since the early 50s selling records to the community, and he still is. Wow. You know? Yeah. And so I met, the, I met this guy that said, you got to go over there to Amadeo because he knew your father in person, and he could tell you stories about your dad, yeah. you know? So I'm, I'm telling Rachel, hey, let's do it as soon as pop- possible before he leaves this planet, you know. So that's how the whole thing started. It, it, 
it was a uh, Rachel telling me you got to, you know. So finally, we applied for a, you know, for a grant, you know, and uh, we didn't know if we were going to get it. And a couple of months later, we got an email that we got the grant. So the machine, it, it was like, obviously, this has to happen, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second thing that happened that was pretty auspicious, uh, you know, because she asked me, uh, who do you want in the band? And I said, well, listen, I, I played just about with everybody that I could ever name of, but I haven't played with Gonzalo Rubalcaba. And he's like one of my heroes. And we said, oh, but you know what? That's going to cost us the entire grant. <laughs> so... We better forget about that for now, you know, because he's a superstar and forget it. Yeah. And I say, yeah, you're right. So a week passed. I get this call from John DeVerso, who's a very well-known musician. Yeah. And, and he's got three Grammy Awards. And he said, hey, Sammy, I, I want you to be part of my project. I said, okay, let's do it. And I'm no questions asked. I went to the studio and Gonzalo is there. <laughs> So I said, I think I better do this record, you know? Yeah. I didn't want to, you know, get into the whole thing with him because I just met him. But by the third day, he invited me to his birthday party, which I was very honored. And I went there. And as the party is going on and there's musicians there performing and he's got a whole jam session in South and I jammed with him. And uh, at the end, I said, "Hey Gonzalo, man, I'm I'm doing, I'm doing this project," and he just looked at me and said, "I'm doing it." I said, "But I haven't explained." I said, "It doesn't matter. I'm doing it." <laughs> and I said, "Oh, okay." <laughs> he said, "Sammy, whatever." He says, "I have a rule in my life that from now on, I'm only going to play with the people that I love." And I said, wow, that's a good rule. I love that. He says, I've already done everything. And the best way to keep on playing is playing with the people that you love. Yeah. Because you have more fun. And there's no problems, no issues, no egos, no insecurities. It's just a great vibe in the studio. And I love that philosophy. So he said yes. And then he said, hey, maybe you should get Aymenu Viola. I said, holy shit, I'm in Viola. Wow. He said, you think she'll do it? She says, absolutely. I'll take care of it. I'll call her. And then we send her my father's music. And she called me back crying, crying. She said, that voice of your father is incredible. I want to do those songs. I love those songs. And then that came up. And then John DeVersa came in. And then Miguel Zanon came in. Wow. And sort of sort of it was something that that was very in, in 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 stone that this had to be done so with the money we went to uh, uh gonzalo's favorite studio the hit factory in in uh in miami which is one of the most beautiful studios and we were able to budget it so that that we were able to record there and once we were there I mean, the rest is history. I mean, everything was magical. Everything, everything. Rachel did an altar for my father uh, in, in the room. 
Wow. Like with candles and a picture of my father. So every, every morning when we got there, we would all walk to my father's altar and say a prayer, and then we would start playing. Wow. What it a was That's amazing. What a cathartic journey. You know, you'd have to figure Father's spirit was there to magically pull all these people in, to give you this dream ensemble. We're coming out of a pandemic. There just seems to be so many elements of this that are just like good therapy. Yes, it it was beyond therapy for me because, you know, I was in total denial, you know. I, I really honestly didn't want want to know anything about him you know because at, growing up as a child at nine years old and a kid seeing other kids with their fathers playing baseball uh, I would get so depressed I would lock myself in the room and and I would go through the you know and in those days there were no therapists <laughs> yeah right <laughs> you know there, there was no such thing as hey you gotta go to you know no, no, it was something that emotionally I had to go through my, my, and I couldn't talk to my mother about it because I was so ashamed. But years and years went by, and then I was 14, I was 15, my grandmother put me in music school to play trumpet. That didn't work out very well. And so I heard, I heard Cal Jader, that was the first time I hear Cal Jader, right, on the radio, and some station in Puerto Rico. And I said, oh, my God, who's that? This is incredible. And it was Mongo and Willie Bobo and all those guys. And I said, who are those guys? And it was so, it was so incredible and intense. I said, man, I want to do that. I want to I sound like that. And then my grandmother one day gave me $5. She said, hey, you know what? I want you to walk five blocks. There's a theater there, a real funky theater. And there's a group playing there. Go ahead and knock yourself out. I didn't know who it was. And I go in and I, I gave my five bucks and it was Joe Cuba, you know, and Joe Cuba had just done his first album, Stepping Out with Joe Feliciano. It was his first premiere in this little tiny theater. And when I saw that, I, it blew me away. I yeah. said, now I really want to play percussion. And I want to do that, you know? Yeah. And and then the third thing that happened is there was a show called Jazz Scene USA with Oscar Brown Jr., who was a poet, you know, back in the early 60s. Yeah. And, and the show obviously was transmitted to Puerto Rico. And that's where I saw Cal Jader live with Bill Fitch, Bobby Ray, and all these guys. And I said, oh, my God, it's destiny that I have to play that instrument, you know? Yeah. And that so, so that's good. how it started. Yeah. And, yeah. But, but the way that I started wasn't playing percussion. I was a vocalist, you yeah. know. Yeah. And I sang, I sang in the hotels all over Puerto Rico, San Juan Hotel, Americana. And then I there was a show on TV called the, the Midday Show, right? And it was every day. And I was part of that show. I was the singer of the orchestra, yeah. you know. But after I heard percussion, I didn't want to sing anymore. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. I just play, you know. Yeah, and then of course I left Puerto Rico. I was about nineteen. I went. I went. I left with this horrible band. They were one of the worst. It was a cover band, you know. But they had a gig in New York City, playing in this club for two months, doing cover tunes, and this guy hired us. 
So I said, man, this is my free ticket to get out of here, you know? <laughs> so I wound up in New York and the rest is history. I, I never came back. Yeah. yeah. What's been kind of the key to your evolution, your fire for loving what you do, being a musician and loving the music and taking care of it? What has been the key to all of these years of you doing that? You know, I, I think that what happened was that when I was living in Puerto Rico, I was collecting records, right? Uh, I didn't have barely many friends, right? I I was sort of the the ugly duckling of the kids, you know. A girl, I, I couldn't get a date even if I tripped over a fence. Forget it. It was horrible. So I said, well, what am I going to do? So I started listening to a lot of records, you know, and buying tons of records. And every time I had a few dollars, I would go out and buy vinyl. And I would listen to this stuff. Chick Corea. Yeah. Herbie Hancock. I don't know why I went into that. Miles Davis. You know, uh, I was listening to Claire Fisher. All these kind of very sophisticated musicians, while everybody else was listening to the Beatles. Yeah. I was, I was, I was in, in total deep jazz, you know, world beat music, Brazilian, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I started soaking myself into all different kinds of genres, Brazilian, jazz, pop rock, this, the other. And I had all this collection of records. And then the other thing that got me out of the funk was uh, I had this idea of putting a record on, listening to a Chick Corea piano solo and memorizing it with my voice, note by note. It didn't matter how fast this was, fast it was, I would memorize the whole solo. So when friends would come over to my house, I would say, hey, check what I could do, you know? And I would sing a whole solo and they would, their mouth would, what? How did you do that? You know? <laughs> and it took me hours and weeks to learn all that. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was just having fun. But little did I know that that was training my ear musically to really really understand rhythms you know and so that's how i got my way into new york but when i got to new york i worked at a record store for years i worked at sam goody's selling records you know after i left that gig that i did with those cover those cover you know band i couldn't get a job as a musician so i worked at a record store for many years and i said look if i'm never going to become anything else at least I'll be the greatest collector <laughs> yeah. in the world. But destiny always does something really funny. And then while I was selling records, Herbie, Herbie Mann used to walk in the store, you know, the flautist. Yeah. And he would walk in there, and I, I was the guy that would help him. Wow. And, and he would come once every two months to the store, and I would turn him on to music. And then by the maybe like two years later, he came in and he invited me to lunch. And while we're having lunch, he said, hey kid, do you do anything musically besides collecting records? Because I love you, you're, you're my friend now, but do you play anything? I said, as a matter of fact, I do, I play percussion. And he said, okay, that's all well and good, but do you play congress? And I said, yeah, I think I do. He said, okay, I got an idea. I'm going to, I'm playing at this club uh, tomorrow night and I want you to come and, you know, come by and play with us. I said, oh, wow, this is crazy, you know. 
And I went to the club with my congas. I had two congas. I went over there. I played. He didn't tell me who was playing. Place was packed. And that we played Manteca, you know, the old two Manteca. Yeah. And uh and he gave me a solo and the people started screaming, you know. That was the first time I ever had people screaming while I was playing. <laughs> and and he says, This new kid, his name is Sammy Figueroa, you're gonna hear a lot about him because he's he doesn't know it, but he's joining my band. And I said, Oh my God. He said it to the audience. Wow. He said he's gonna be my new percussionist. I went, Oh Lord. So after <laughs> the gig, you know, he says to me, Listen, Sammy, I want you to quit your job and come with me. And I said, But Herbie, if I do that, I'm not gonna have a job to come back to. You know? And he said, Don't worry about that. Where do you live now? And I said, Well, I live in a hotel. You know, the McAlpin Hotel, and uh, all my salary goes to the hotel. He said, well, no, you're going to live with me now. And he lived in Park Avenue in this big penthouse, you know. Yeah. I said, holy shit. So I went to his house, and he shows me my room. And, you know, my room at the hotel was a piece of garbage. Yeah. And here I am looking at this massive room <laughs> with private <laughs> bathroom and the whole deal i said i'm gonna sleep here he goes yeah that's your place and uh, <laughs> i said don't worry about it just stay here as long as you want until you get yourself on your feet yeah and since you're gonna go on tour with me you know i said wow i went from sam goodies to herbie's house from herbie's house to the montreux jazz festival in switzerland and then from switzerland I joined Average White Band, and it never stopped after that. He wow. was like my godfather. Yeah, that's amazing. What a great timeline trajectory. What an amazing journey you've had. Wow. And and we've, we've, we've come great. to this point here, and what I would like everybody to know, where's the best place to pick this up, learn about indie life shows, anything going on in your life? Yes, I'm doing Dizzy's in New York, the 26th and 27th. In September, and uh, and then we're doing the Kravitz Center on October seventh, and uh, with Gonzalo and all that. So I'm really excited about that, and I'm excited about this record because it's the first time, I believe, that I've sang in 35 years. Wow! You know, I've never abused my voice for nothing. I've been playing. I, it might be more, 40 years. You know? Yeah. yeah. And and for my father, and because Rachel really you know said to me you gotta try if it doesn't work we'll get a singer yeah but you gotta try you gotta try if it doesn't work forget it and i tried and it worked out and i sing that beautiful song that my father sang he sings like about 30 seconds of it and then he fades out and then i come in with the new version this has been so good, Sammy. Thank you so much for opening up about this project, giving us a portal into your world. Thank you so much. I really appreciate My it. My pleasure, Joe. Thank you for having me, Joey. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Puerto Rico, New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Sammy for his class and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Whoa.
Jazz. 